<laughs> I could see that everybody is eager to hear me preach this morning. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, last week, Pastor actually preached and gave us three key points about following Christ. Pastor mentioned that following Christ is very costly. Following Christ is personal. And following Christ is satisfying. Costly. Personal. Satisfying. And this morning, I'm also here to continue with the parables that they started preaching about about three weeks ago. And I'll be talking about a theme, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee and the tax collector. But in a nutshell, just to give a little recap before we dive deep into the message, all that we have to know, that regardless of our conditions, Christ is always willing to meet us, to save us, to deliver us from our negative conditions. Parable of Pharisee and tax collector. And we'll be taking this scripture from Luke chapter 18, verse number 9 through 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 18, 9, 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, and look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable to men, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulteress or even like this task collector I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get but the task collector stood at a distance he would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said God have mercy on me a sinner I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humbled themselves will be exalted. 
Shall we bow down our heads for prayer? Please. Father, we just want to thank you at this moment just to tell you that we are sinners and we are sorry for every sin that we have committed against thee. Now we have come to confess all our sins and as your word says that if we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are sorry for what we have done and we have come at this moment to hear your word and abide and obey your voice. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, God desires a broken spirit. A spirit that is broken. That is what God desires. David says in Psalm 51 verse 17, that my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. And that is a kind of the God we are following. We are following someone who will not despise us, who is always ready to work with somebody who has a broken word, spirit. The parable was told in response to a prideful attitude of the Pharisee. It is difficult for a prideful person to put his trust in God because he sees no need or to love his neighbor. Where is our trust today? Self or God? Do we love our neighbors? Or we focus on our desires? God and man evaluates men differently. In 1 Samuel 16 and 17, where Samuel is appointed, appointing David as king to replace Saul, God tells Samuel that he does not look at the external appearance of a man, but he looks at his heart. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, we get a good comparison of King Saul and David and King David. We see that Saul is very prideful man. And he becomes very angry when the women in 1st Samuel 18 verse 17 to 8 are saying that Saul kills thousands but David kills 10,000. In the comparison of God's, in the comparison God says David had a contrite heart. One like God. Beloved, what this test is just telling us is that we men will look at our fellow men outwardly, but God looks inside. That is just an, a snapshot of what I've just read. The God 
that we serve doesn't look at the outside. He looks what? Inside. What is draw hidden in our hearts. That is what he, he, he pursues. Not the outside body. You know, the protagonist in the scripture we have just read are two. Two people are the protagonists. The Pharisee and the task collector. So the two people that I've just mentioned, let us see the basis of their actions. Now let's take the Pharisee. The Pharisee is proud, seeking justice, think that he can be good enough, no conviction of sin, based on what we have just read. Because based on his statements, he was very prideful. He spoke like he owns the world. He acts like he created himself. And those are some of his bases. So now I want us to, to, to get into the bases. The reason why his action is like that. Because not until we realize that we are sinners, we can't repent. And based on his action, he doesn't notice that he is a sinner. So the Pharisee occupies a prominent position in the synagogue during Jesus' days. They viewed themselves as the most righteous, the best, the holiest, and the leader of the people. That is how they view themselves. And that was the basis of what? Of the pride that is in him. But in Matthew chapter 22 verse 34 and 40, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. In the first and the greatest, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like, like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. But based on what we have just read, it appears that the Pharisee doesn't like the task word collector. He talked down on him. But that is what Jesus said in this scripture. That love your neighbor like yourself. And that is the greatest word, commandment. 
So his pride came up because he's in a leadership position. Because he owned whatever he feels he owned. That is why he's talking down on that tax collector. But now let us see the second person, the second protagonist. The tax collector, humble, seeking mercy, knows that he needs the blood of the lamb. Conviction of sin. He is convicted of the sin. Now I would like us to also look at the basis of the uh, the, the task collector's humility. What are his basis? Why is he humbled? You know, Bible declares, throughout the Bible, they mention task collectors a lot. Zacchaeus, Matthew, they were some of the typical examples of tax collectors. And these individuals, what they do is that they work for the Roman government, like the government workers. They go out, collect taxes from the Jews for the hated what? Romans. So their own people even hated them. They don't they disregard them, they don't respect them because they are cheats. They steal. Not like Uncle Sam, where you have to file your tax through where the internet and declare everything that you have. But this they go to the individuals at their home, see their assets, evaluate it, put what they themselves will put on it, and give a letter to the government. And take the rest for the, uh, themselves. That is how cheat they are. And that was the basis of his argument. Knowing that, oh, I'm a sinner because I stole, I steal, I stole from people. And that, that is what makes him so humble. Now let us see the two types of prayers that these two individuals, these two protagonists, the type of prayers that they have prayed. When there is pride in the, uh, that person, prideful, and that was a Pharisee. In Luke 9, 11 and 12, says the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. My brother, please come. Just join me. Please come. <laughs> Imagine we are fellowshipping together and we are all in the same fellowship, the same ministry, enjoying, pray, praying, and all of a sudden I stood up. I am not like this task collector. I'm not like this individual. How do you think he will feel? Can you give me my scarecrow? Uh, You know, that's in the 
me, brethren, I'll become like a scarecrow to this person in the house of God. But that is not how Jesus desires it. Jesus is never a scarecrow. He loves all of us, regardless of our situation and condition. Please sit down. Thank you so much. <laughs> and that is how it is. You can flip to where I am, please. Now this Pharisee trusts in his work. Trusting in his work, probably in his education, probably in the asset that he has, how eloquent he is. Knowing the law, those are some of the things that cause him to bulge up because he's trusting. And that's so again he has all the pride filling him from head to toe. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, that for all who rely on the works of the law are under curse. And it is written, Curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. The Pharisees' attitude were the opposite of what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. Is that not the opposite? His attitude to love your neighbor like yourself. But he is doing it the other way around. Not loving his neighbor. I am not like this tax collector. Not like adulteress. I am not like them. That is how his attitude is. So looking into the prayer of the the, task, uh, the, the Pharisee, he has a lot of eyes in it. So his eye focused. His eye focused. I believe you've been listening to CNN these days. And the news on the CNN. And one of my dearest friends says that I worth 10 billion. I believe you know whom I'm talking about. I statement. I worth 10 billion. I worth this. I statement. And that is not what Christ designed for we, his followers. Because he is a God who respect us equally. He is a respecter of what? Everyone. He doesn't discriminate. That is the kind of God we are serving. So the eye focus. The Pharisee is so sure of himself that his content for the task collector standing nearby appears to him to be the righteous response to a disguising person. Standing before God, the Pharisee announces the kind of person he is. I fast twice a week. I give tenth of all that I get. His boasting is the clanging symbol of pride and insensitivity. That was his boasting. But I thank God 
that all of us that are seated in this building, we don't have this type of pride in us. Because we know that our life revolves or is hold by God, the Most High God. We don't have that pride in us. But that was how he is. But Jesus is just, the Bible is just telling us this. To know, so that we can know the type of people that are in the gathering. Some are prideful and some are very humble. And as this message is going on today, I would like you to evaluate yourself. All of us to evaluate ourselves. Are we prideful? Now, looking at the task collector, again, I'm coming with the basics. The task collector knows that I'm a sinner. He sins, he cheats, he cheated people, gathered wealth from people. So he pleads. He's God focused. All his attention is on Christ Jesus. Because he knows that he's the only one that can what? Redeem him. You know, when we get into the Bible in Second Chronicles chapter 26, the biblical account of King Uzziah is a classic example of what happened to a man who gets too big for his spiritual breaches. <laughs> Uzziah's ascension to the throne had no doubt filled by the heart of the people of Judah. His renewed people of Judah with renewed hope. The last two kings of Judah had started well enough, but after a while had led the kingdom back into adultery, bringing judgment upon the nation. As a result, both of the former king, Joash and Amaziah, met their death due to conspiracy. Like his father and grandfather, before him, Uzziah began his reign well. He showed much promise as a godly ruler that would lead Judah back to God and the restoration of God's blessing. But over the years, as God blessed Uzziah, a secret enemy began to invade his heart ever so subtly. So subtle was his enemy that Uzziah likely wasn't aware of what was happening to him until he had been dealt the fatal blow. What was his subtle enemy that defeated Uzziah? Basically, he let his VIP status go to his head. In other words, Uzziah became proud and haughty. Somewhere amidst all the blessings, he lost sight of the fact that God was the source of his power. 
popularity and prosperity. Pride is a killer. It will kill your spiritual growth. It will kill your intimacy with the Savior. Why is pride so spiritually fatal? It is because pride moves one to focus on self instead of Christ. Pride enthrones self rather than the Savior. The condition can produce but one result. Pride goes before distraction and unhealthy spirits before a fall. That is in Proverbs 16 verse 18. Now look at Uzziah's word. Story that we have just read. He was enthroned at the age of 16. But because of pride that gets into him, he loses everything. And I believe Bible says that he became even what? A leper. That was what pride will do to us. But now let us look at the plea. The tax collector. The tax collector stands bef- there also. The word he speaks are those of one who feels deeply the wrong he has done. The hate he has caused others now presses in on him. And he throws himself on God, God's grace, and pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that was a prayer that he prayed. Be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And as a good follower of Christ, all our prayer needs to be, God, be merciful to me, a a sinner, because we are all sinners. He is seeking for forgiveness. In 1 John 1 and 9 states, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. Confessing of sins. We are all sinners. And that is what exactly the task collector did. Based on what he has done in the past, he realized that, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm a sinner. I've cheated people. Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And now let us look at a proclamation that Christ Jesus made. What he proclaimed. Based on the prayer of these two individuals. Based on the prayer of the task collector and also the prayer of what? Of the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood up. I am not like this task collector. But the the, the task collector stood up. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Imagine you are also God. Imagine you are Jesus Christ. Which your goal is to save sinners. Your goal is not to oppress them. Your goal is not to be like a scarecrow. To push them away. From the kingdom. The goal of Christ. Is to bring everyone. Regardless of our condition. The way we look. 
what is in our mind, what is in our hearts. Regardless, He is willing to work with us. So, Bible says that the tax collector received grace. That is what Bible says. The word of God tells us. James 4 verse 16 says that. But it gives us more grace. That is why scripture says. God opposes the proud. But shows favor to the humble. He opposes the proud. If there is pride in us. He will oppose us. But he gives what grace to those who are what? Humble. That is what he does. That is his mission. That is his purpose on the face of the earth. His purpose in our midst is to give grace to them that are what? Humble. So the two key words, pride and what? Plea. Prideful and plea. Humility and grace. The Pharisee receives justice as well. Just imagine if you are the lawyer and your goal is to save people. Your goal is not to condemn anyone. And someone came right in front of you. I am like this. I own the whole world. I have this amount of money saved in my account. All the words that are coming out is I bulging up, proving himself up. And your mission is to save people. And someone came that I am so sorry. Please forgive me. If you are in the shoe of Christ, what will you do? You will save that individual. The one who comes to you, I'm so sorry for what I've done. Just forgive me. And beloved, all that this message is telling us this morning is that Christ's mission is to save. Christ's mission is to redeem. His goal is to bring out, uh, us out from the condition, the situation in which we are. Not to oppress us. Not to say that you have nothing. That is not his mission. That is why he made this judgment that the task collector is justified. The Pharisee is condemned. Because he has no room in his heart to repent. Because he owns everything. He knows the law. So he has no room in his heart to repent. But yes, sir, if this Pharisee is ready to repent, to change his language, Christ will save him. Christ will still turn into his favor. That is the kind of God that we are serving. You can go today to Christ Jesus. Insult him from head to toe. Tell him that you are nothing. Good for nothing Christ. But if you go a thousand years and come. Oh Christ I'm so sorry. 
I insulted you years ago, but I've come in my condition. He won't send you away. He will still receive you. That is the kind of Christ, the kind of God we are serving. And Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 10, that humble yourself before the Lord, and he will what? Lift you up. That is what is word. Humility. And there are some songs that I've been singing. I don't know how that you know it. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. Oh, hallelujah. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. That is the kind of God we are serving. If you are ready to humble, He will lift you up. You have. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8 and 9, states that, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can what? Boast. It is just by His grace. Shall we bow down our heads, please? Father, we just want to thank you for this short message that we have brought to us. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. We adore you. We thank you. You are so faithful. And we as sinners, forgive us all our sins. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I love it when someone...